Let us just bow together in a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the word of God. We thank thee that thou art he who is omnipotent, who was able to touch the blind and make them see, was able to touch the lame and make them walk, able to take those who are dead and trespasses and sins and able to make them live. We thank thee that faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And Lord, we pray that even as thy word has been read, that faith would be born in hearts this evening. To that end, take away every distracting thought. Bring to my mind what thou would have us to say. By thy spirit, apply it. Lord, may it be a comfort and encouragement to thy children, but may it be a means of drawing sinners to thyself. So Lord, wait with us here tonight. Be thou our help, for we pray in thy name. Amen. Amen. The Gospel of Mark, the chapter 1, and I want to draw your attention this evening to the verses 40 and 41. We read there, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him, and said unto him, I will be thou clean. Some years ago, a report from the General Assembly of the United Nations carried the headline, Africa is dying. It was a report in regard to the spread of AIDS. While AIDS is no longer in the headlines, Yet last year, it was estimated there were over 38 million people infected with it. In fact, HIV-related illnesses killed in 2021 over 650,000 people. And as its name still strikes terror into every heart, so in the Bible times, it was not AIDS, but leprosy, which caused every heart to faint. It knowing no geographical, social, or cultural bound, it ripped its way through society, causing the hair to fall out and turning the hand into an infected stump. It was highly contagious, so much so that it was illegal to greet a leper. Walking down the road, the leper was forced to lift his voice and to cry out again and again, unclean, unclean, lest he would, in fact, a passerby. He was legally bound to stay at least four cubits away from the nearest person. And if that person was downwind, that distance then was increased to a hundred cubits. Even in the Middle Ages, churches in the United Kingdom had a peephole so that the leper could look into the service, but he could not come in. And in this chapter, my leprosy infecting a certain man, it's spreading through his body. Look, who was a physician or who was a doctor tells us that he was full of leprosy. And becoming full or covered with leprosy, he was a danger not only to himself, but he was a danger to his family. And more than that, he was a danger, a danger to all of his friends. And you see, like leprosy, sin entering into the life, it not only corrupts the heart, 
but it is contagious to every other heart. It contaminates those around it. Indeed, the Apostle Paul, taking up his pen, writing to the Corinthians, he said in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. And he warned them that evil communications or evil companions would corrupt them. No sooner did Peter sit down with the enemies of Christ than their lies, their wickedness, their sin began to infect them. And infecting him, we find him then beginning to swear like them. You see, sin is not only insidious, but sin is infectious. It contaminates all who come into contact with it. Sometimes people being defensive, they say, I can live my life as I like. After all, it's my life, and I can do with me and my life what I want to do. My others today, they, they say, it's my body, and therefore I can do with my body whatsoever I desire to do. I wonder tonight if they would be so liberal if their neighbor had small pops. You see, my friend, by your sin, you're not only contaminating your own heart, but you're in danger. You're in danger of contaminating, contaminating those around you, others listening to you, others sitting with you. My, they, they will be infected, infected by your sin, infected by your sin. Listening to your words, it'll not be long until they begin to speak like you. My, it'll not be long until they will be going the places that you go. My, it's bad enough for a man to sin. It's bad enough for an individual to say, yes, I want nothing to do with the gospel. I'm happy to go to hell. But my friend, by your lifestyle, you're not only going there yourself, but like the leper, like the leper, you are contaminating. You are contaminating those that are around you. And what an awful thing to lift your eyes in hell. But my friend, how much more terrible it will be to meet some there who point the finger and say, because of you, because of your influence, that I am here in this place of hopelessness, in this place of despair. And so I want tonight simply to draw your attention to this leper. I want you to notice firstly the corruption which affected him. In Bible times, leprosy was common. Even today, more than 200,000 new cases are reported every year. His victims in the past in include names like Robert the Bruce, King of Scotland in the 14th century. And this leprosy now infecting this man, you notice here that it defiled his body. We read there in verse 40, and there came a leper to him. In his beginnings, leprosy was almost imperceptible being nothing more than a bright spot or a scab upon the flesh. Little attention was often given to it. However, beginning to ulcerate, the eyebrows began to fall out, the voice becoming hoarse and wheezy, the skin began to stink, 
and producing a foul discharge. It gradually spread through the body until Luke, who was a doctor, tells us that he was now full or that he was covered with leprosy. You see this disease entering into his life. It spread and spread and it deepened and deepened with every passing day. And you see, while sin, like leprosy, may begin small, it gradually spreads, infecting my faculty after faculty. It quickly leads from one sin to another, and then to another. Indeed, Achan coming up into the city of Achan and looking around him and seeing the rubble, but seeing now in the rubble the treasures of that great city. He said in Joshua seven twenty one, And when I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment and 200 shackles of silver and a wage of gold of 50 shackles weight, then I coveted them and took them and beheld, behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. And you notice here that looking he then coveted, and coveting, he then stole. In stealing these things, he then sought to deceive those around him. My one sin led to another, and then to another more vile and more wicked. You see, while sin always begins small, it spreads slowly, and it spreads silently. One thing leads to another and then to another until it completely swallows up the life. When Yehul Danner, the concentration camp survivor, walked into the Nuremberg trials and saw his Nazi captor standing there, he broke down and he wept. When asked, was it fear or hatred that caused him to weep? He said it was when he saw Eichmann dressed not in his high-ranking Nazi uniform, but it was when he saw him dressed in an ordinary suit. Because it made him to realize in that moment the Nazis, they were just ordinary men. And realizing that, he said, I became afraid about myself. I saw that I, too, was capable of doing what he had done. No one ever intended to be a murderer. But a little jealousy developed into anger, and anger developed into wrath, and wrath developed into murder. You see, my friend, your sin, no matter what your sin is, it will take you farther than you want to go. Some say, what's the harm in flirting? But my friend, flirting leads to adultery. You say tonight, preacher, but my sin is little. My friend, what is important tonight is not the size of your sin tonight, but its size tomorrow. Just as a puppy becomes a dog, the little calf becomes a a cow. So, my friend, your sin will develop and grow 
and grow until you have no liberty, until you become a captive, until it is stained every faculty, until, my, you stand totally corrupt before God. Oh, tonight, beware, beware of your sin. That sin may seem small, but it'll not end there. It'll take you farther than you want to go. It not only defiled his body, but notice it desensitized his body, it driving away his friends and driving away his family. We read in verse 40, and there came a leper to him. In its advanced stages, leprosy eventually affected the nervous system, acting as an anesthetic. It desensitizes the infected area, causing a numbness. Indeed, before they erected the new buildings at Cathara Leprosy Colony, the old huts there, they were just made out of mud. And darkness descending upon the compound, the rats used to burrow their way through the mud. And there they would feed upon the infected toes and upon the infected ears. And although the lepers were awake, and although the lepers were sitting there with their eyes open, they weren't aware of what was happening. And as such leprosy spreading through this man's being, he would have lost, he would have lost all sensitivity. He wouldn't have felt what was going on. And like like sin, leprosy, Spreading through the body, it not only defiles it, but it desensitizes it. It takes away its sensitivity to sin. Indeed, the Apostle Paul, describing the false teacher, he said in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. When a hot iron is pressed against the skin, it becomes rigid and hard, losing all sense of feeling. In other words, he was saying that if they would go on in their sin, there would come a moment when their sin would no longer trouble them. You see, sin deadens the conscience. It takes away its sensitivity to sin. I can remember when I was just a wee lad in in the, the junior boys' brigade, and in the summer, I remember, one night after the meeting was over, we went out into a little workman's hut. The door was lying open, and there was a football there. We took out the football, and we began to kick around. And then all of a sudden, someone kicked the ball, and they kicked it into a hawthorn hedge. And when we went over to get the ball, all we could hear was a hissing sound. Instead of owning up, we quickly took the ball, we put it back in the shed, and we closed the door, and we walked away as quickly as we could. I went home and went to my bed, but I can remember rolling in my bed, unable to sleep. Unable to sleep. But my friend, the next time we did the same thing, I never lost a minute's sleep. You see, the more you sin, the easier it becomes to sin. And the reason tonight that you no longer feel guilty about those sins is not because you've grown up, but it is because you've grown hard. You see, keep on sinning. 
Keep on in the path of rebellion. Keep on doing the things that you're doing. And my friend, the day will come when those things will no longer bother you. You'll be able to take the name of Christ in vain and it'll never trouble you. You'll be able to sit in a gospel meeting and now you'll be able to reject the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be able to walk outside the meeting with a smile upon your face. It'll no longer bother you. You see, the more you go on in your sin, my, the less sensitive you'll become to your sin until the time will come that it'll bother you no more. It not only desensitized his body, but notice it destroyed his body, his hands becoming but bleeding stumps, his nose falling off. We read in verse 40, and there came a leper to him. In Bible times, leprosy was incurable. Even in the Middle Ages, a man being infected, he was led by a priest carrying a crucifix into a graveyard, and there the burial service was read over him. In India and in China, the leper was often burned alive. As recently as 1967 in South Korea, 10 lepers refusing to leave their home, they were killed. And in Bible times, leprosy was incurable, eventually bringing death. You see, for this man, there was no hope. Every day, every day, his body became more defiled. And he knew, he knew that one day he would breathe his last. You see, sin corrupting the soul it eventually crucifies the soul. It brings eternal death. Indeed, James, taking up his pen and tracing its awful effects, he said in James 1, verse 15, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And he warned them that lust entering into their hearts it would not only give birth to sin, but it would give birth to eternal death. Sin is not only infectious. Sin is incurable. It leads to eternal death. In Northern Ireland, the number of deaths due to drugs rose from 191 in 2019 to 218 in 2020. It has more than doubled since 2010. But let me tell you something tonight, far, far more tragic. Because of sin, hundreds and thousands of individuals every year, my, are dying. Dying eternally. Their souls are lost. You see, your sin tonight will not only take you into greater sin, but eventually your sin will bring you into a lost eternity. You know, when you get on the wrong bus, it's possible if you're quick enough to jump off. However, there comes a time when you can no longer jump off that bus. It's going far too fast. And I would say to you tonight, before, before it's too late, before it's too late, my friend, turn from your sin.
Turn from your sin. What a sight. What a condemnation. And my, there came a leper. There came a leper to him. Not only do we notice the corruption which affected him, but I want you to notice also here the compassion which astounded him. This disease eating away his nose and his ears, there would have been nothing attractive about him. And yet despite the loathsomeness of his appearance and the smell of his flesh, the Lord Jesus was moved with compassion, reaching out and touching that which was untouchable. You notice here concerning the leper, you notice what he realized. Beholding the Savior, we read verse 40, and there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. You notice here that this leper, he did not ask to be healed, but he asked to be made clean. And in so doing, he had no foolish illusions about himself. He realized his disease had made him unclean. And if he had any foolish notions, they were quickly wiped away by the smell of his decaying flesh. And now coming before the Lord, he was here openly acknowledging his uncleanness. Lord, make me clean. Make me clean. You see, my friend, before your sin can be cleansed, it must be confessed. There must be a crying out like that, leper, unclean, unclean, unclean. Indeed, reminding Timothy of this, Paul said in 1 Timothy 1, verse 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And, and my, he reminded them that if they were to be cleansed, they needed to recognize they were sinners. You see, if you come to Christ as a saint, you will leave as a sinner. But if you come to Christ as a sinner, you can leave as a saint. Are we not living in a day when the English language is being rewritten? Alcoholism is no longer a sin. It's just a disease. Indeed, one beer company in the United States of America advertised their beer as being pure brewed in God's country. What blasphemy. Abortion is no longer looked upon as murder, but just a simple choice of lifestyle. Sodomy is no longer a sin, but it's described as being gay. Deceit is no longer black, but it's just a little white lie. But my friend, until you come to that place in your life where you recognize you're a sinner, until you come to that place in your life where you, you come before God and you recognize you're unclean, there is no hope. There is no hope of being saved. It is those who cry out unclean that he heals. And I tell you, there's many men and women tonight and they cling on and they say, well, I might not be perfect, but, you know, I'm not so bad. But until you recognize the loathsomeness of your sin, 
until you smell its awful stench. My friend, there's no hope. There's no hope for your soul. I wonder tonight if you realize that. Have you realized how your sin is before God? Not only what he realized, but notice what he risked. Look at verse 40. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him. In the Old Testament, the law concerning the leper was very clear. Leaving his wife and his family, he was to live in isolation. He was not permitted to enter into the courts of the temple or to dwell within the confines of a city. To do so brought 40 stripes. And in cases, it brought death. And in approaching the Lord, this man was risking everything. He was risking his life. You see, nothing, not even the threat of death, could hinder him coming to Christ. And like this man, I say to you tonight, let nothing, let nothing hinder you coming to Christ. Better to lose your silver than to lose your soul. Indeed, the Lord Jesus Christ himself said in Mark 8, 36, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You see, your soul tonight, it is not only immortal, but it is invaluable. Better for you to lose anything, better for you to lose everything than to lose your soul. You know, in certain parts of the world today, to become a Christian means imprisonment. In some parts of the world, it means death. But hearing the gospel, many, rather than losing their souls, they willingly have given up their lives. And I wonder tonight, what is it that's hindering you? What is it that's stopping you coming to Jesus Christ? Is it friends? Is it position? Is it fear? Oh, I say to you tonight, my friend, better to lose anything than lose your soul. Oh, tonight, rise up like this leper. Rise up, run to Jesus Christ. Fall at his feet. Seek his forgiveness, his salvation. Not only what he risked, but notice what he received. Verse 42, and as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. In seeking healing, you notice he didn't come to Mary. He didn't come to the disciples. He came to Christ. And kneeling down before him and beseeching him, he was not, he was not disappointed, but he was healed. While there was a time in his life he was forced to cry day after day, unclean, unclean. He was now able to say, I'm clean. I am clean. You see, salvation is not a process. It's an act. It brings immediate salvation. And my friend, if only this man, you come to Jesus Christ, you fall at his feet, and you cry, Lord, make me clean. He will make you clean. He'll cleanse your sin. He'll give to you his salvation. This man was a leper, but he came to Jesus. And you know, tonight you're a sinner. 
but like this man, come to Jesus. Come to the Savior. Then lastly, I want you to notice here the command which amazed this man. His flesh healing, his hair returning. The Lord Jesus then spoke to him again. And notice here, concerning his obedience, it was required. Look at verse 44. And saith unto him, See, thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded. The showing of himself to the priest was no new law, but it had been set down by Moses there in the mount. And in sending him to the leper, we're told in verse 43 that the Lord sent him forthwith. Healing this man, he, he demanded, he demanded that he arise and he immediately would obey the law, obey the word of God. You see, the word of God is not only to be praised, the word of God is to be practiced. And my friend, being saved, there must then be an immediate obeying, an obeying of the word of God. Some imagine they can get saved and there needs to be no change in their lives. They can live as they like. They can do what they want. They can be ruled by the dictates of their own conscience. My friend, if you want to live like that, it's proof that there's been no miracle. There's been no salvation. This man, now we find, we find the Lord speaking to him, telling him, obey the word, the, my word. Obey my commands. And if you're saved tonight, you should read the word. But more than that, practice it. There should be a seeking to put it into practice in your life. And only was it required, but notice it was rewarding, because look at verse 44. And saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest. The priest's duty was to examine this man, just like the doctor would examine his patients. He's scanning his body with microscopic looks and declaring him to be clean. This man's every doubt, his every fear would have been swept away. And he, obeying, he knew, he knew that he was clean. And obedience rather than burdening the soul, it brightens the soul, sweeping away its fears that brings sweet assurance. Maybe you say, preacher, I've come to the cross. I have thrown myself at the feet of Christ, but doubts plague me. Then obey. Obey the word of God. It is as we obey God's word that assurance fills our hearts. And we know, we can know that we have passed from death unto life. Also, you notice here it was restricted because look at verse 45. While he went to the priest, we read, but he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter insomuch that Jesus could do no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places. This command for this man to be silent was not unique. In at least five other miracles, the same command was issued. However, this man disobeying. He didn't merely just tell his family and his friends, but he published, or as the word means, he blazed it across the whole countryside. 
and great crowds now gathering to see the Savior. The Savior was unable to enter into the city. And because of this man's disobedience, the Lord was hindered. The Lord was hindered in entering into the city. He was hindered in his ministry. And the greatest obstacle to the work of God is disobedience. It hinders more souls and causes more harm than any other thing. How often you hear people say, but I would be a Christian, but my, because of so-and-so. Because they do this, they do that, they do the other things. And you know, the world knows tonight how a Christian should live. And if we're not living, we become like this man, we become an obstacle. We hinder Christ. We hinder him even in his ministry. And here was a man, yes, he was healed, but he was now hindering. He was hindering. And maybe you're saved tonight, but you're not going on with God. You're not walking as you ought to walk. And my friend, you're hindering. You're hindering the Savior. You're hindering the going forth of the gospel. Oh, we're told there in verse 40, there came a leper to him. Can you picture him? This leper, his fingers gone, his toes gone, his whole body ulcerated, the stench rising up. And he came to the Lord, and he came just as he was. And coming just as he was, and falling before Christ, he was healed. And he walked away, his skin as white as snow. And my friend, that's the way tonight that you must come. The hymn writer said, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. You must come tonight as you are. You must come in all your sin. You must come in all your stench. You must come acknowledging your guilt. And if only you do. If only you do, there's forgiveness. There's cleansing at the foot of the cross. Oh, this evening, have you experienced his wonderful saving power in your life? If not, I trust tonight that you'll come and that you'll come just as you are and know his healing power, his saving power in your life this very night. We're going to close our service in singing those words of invitation, them 289, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. The hymn 289, we're standing and we're singing just the first three verses of the hymn, verses 1, 2, and 3.
Father in heaven, we thank thee that that leper came. He came just as he was, and what a change. He went home a different man. He went home with hope. He went home with assurance in his heart. And Lord, we pray this evening that there are those in our gathering and they're yet in their sin. Lord, help them to feel its greatness. Help them, Lord, to come and help them to leave this meeting changed by thy grace. So, Lord, hear this, our prayer. Part us with thy blessing. Watch over us and keep us. For we pray for thy honor. Amen.